welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I want to jump straight in if that's okay, bring you a message. I do, like most preachers, find it difficult to preach during seasons where there's an expectation already placed upon you because of the season of Christmas and festivities. But I'll do my best today to continue on this theme called A Star Is Born. And my subtext today is perfect peace. There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. It says, He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on Him. And it's interesting, perfect peace, if you go back into the original text, it's actually peace, peace. He will keep in peace, peace. Those whose minds are stayed on Him. The translators, for whatever reason, decided to call it perfect peace. They could have called it peace upon peace or peace multiplied. But regardless of the fact, God says, if we'll keep our minds fixed on Him, we will remain in this place called perfect peace. And we'll have a look at what that really means in a few moments' time. But I wanted to say this, how you view Christmas is also how you will view the Gospel. How you view Christmas is always also the way you will view the Gospel. Jesus came into the world for the world. Sure, He came for me, but He did not come exclusively for me. And I have to remind myself of that. Jesus came to bring joy to the world, not just joy to the church. We do not have copyright on the goodness of God. Hey, thank you. If I say anything remotely positive today, please feel free to shout out. Brave a hanky, lean forward, smile, do anything, it'll help me. Uh, Jesus came to bring joy to the world, peace to the world. You may not be able to bring joy to everyone, but everyone can bring joy to someone. And so I wanna encourage you right now that uh, during this Christmas season, you know, forget your childhood kind of focus. Remember as a kid, how you just, when Christmas started coming upon, all you could think about is what you were gonna get for Christmas. Is mum going to buy me that racing car set? Am I going to get that thing? And it was all about you. But hopefully as you grew up, you got to the place where you realised that Christmas is actually about others. And so let's please be the kind of Christians that through Christmas time, we see the great call that God has placed upon us to bring joy and peace to somebody else. If everyone brought joy to someone, what a wonderful world it would be. Don't you think? And it will come with inconvenience. It will come with a cost. Uh, one of my great friends, Rob Cummins, he says to me all the time, you know, relationships that are worth it will always cost you two things, time and money. And he's 100% right. If you wanna keep relationships strong, they're gonna cost you those two things, time and money. It's kind of just inevitable. The birth of an innocent child destined to deliver guilty humanity is what Christmas is all about the manifestation of God's promise and the devil's doom. We we must remind ourselves at this time, not just of the traditional story, but the revelation, the power that took place during the first Christmas, the bruised heel that would crush the devil's head. Ooh, the fulfilment of all 611 covenantal promises in the Old Testament for the Jews in Christ. The light of the world, the hope of humanity, conceived by a virgin, born in a manger, raised in a blended family. Did you ever think about that? Could you imagine being in Jesus' family growing up? Blended family, like he's this, this, this kid that kind of the oldest in the family, he, he, he belongs, but he doesn't belong. 
could you imagine? Could you imagine being the younger brother of Jesus? Like, what expectations would have been put on your plate because he was in the crew? Sometimes we just want to have a look at the divine perfect kind of side of it without looking at the very human side of it. Qualified to debate with the greatest theologians of his time at 12 years old. He served in his family business for the next 18 years and grew in wisdom and favour before God and man. He, he knew how to push his plough, break the ground and sow some seed. Hello, somebody. If all we ever do year after year is recount the birth of Jesus without recalling the purpose and power of his birth, we quickly enter into religious tradition, which is void of power. Let me say it to you like this. Jesus' birth was the fulfilment of a 4,000-year-old promise. The promise was fulfilled and the curse of sin was broken. Can we just, can we just look at that for a moment in Genesis and take you back into the beginning? Oh, I love the book of Genesis. There is so much in there. Genesis 3 and verse 13, after God has discovered that Adam and Eve have taken partaken of the fruit, He, he first goes to the woman and says, the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me, she replied. That is why I ate. It's actually the first time we see sin dealt with in the Scriptures. And by the principle of first mention, you can learn so much that she said, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate. Let me, let me say to each and every one of you, you all committed your first sin when the serpent deceived you. But straight away, God goes and deals with the serpent. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And as Jesus is born, as Jesus is born, it's the fulfilment of that prophecy, that promise that started 4,000 years earlier. And you got to know today that there's many people who are prophesying and not prophesying. And I want to tell you today that Jesus still crushes demons daily in an. His bruised heel still crushes heads. And you've got to know that as the enemy attacked the heel of Jesus, he will attack your walk also. And you'll find yourself walking with a limp because of the attacks upon your life. But you've got to know that your bruised heel can crush his head every single time. You've got to know that the Christmas story is not just some nice little story about this little baby that comes in a manger, but it's a prophetic manifestation of the promise of God that when the promise of God came, the curse of sin was broken. Read the last verses of the Old Testament and it says, unless God come and strike the earth with a curse. But read the last verses of the New Testament. You're saying it's a whole new picture that is presented by God because of what Jesus did. Not just by being born in the manger, but by going to a cross and dying and then being resurrected from the dead on our behalf. Hmm. Salvation is the centrepiece of Christmas. The first Christmas had a diverse impact on the immediate world. Diverse. On one side, there was a great celebration of joy, peace and fulfilled promise. 
But on the other side, there was a horrendous and murderous attack on innocent male children as the devil made a futile attempt to stop God's plan. Have you ever thought about it? Like I, I was looking at the whole story, Joseph and Mary, the star is born, the first appearance, and then suddenly my eyes were awakened to the fact that Joseph and Mary found themselves in a very diverse experience. On one side, there's this entire celebration of joy to the world, peace, the Messiah coming. But on the other side, there's an environment of hostility. Herod says, kill all the male children under the age of two. I mean, imagine the environment. And and today, as we fast forward some 2,000 years, we, we see this same thing going on. There's some people that love Christmas and others that hate Christmas. There's some that believe and and some that don't believe. Some believers are asking the question, is it still good? But the very nature of Christmas is the Gospel, the good news coming to the earth. The very nature of of Christmas is the Gospel. Salvation is the centrepiece of Christmas. But you know what? I had to take a moment and just imagine the pressure this put on Joseph and Mary on a daily basis. Have you ever thought about it? Like we don't detach yourself from them when you read the story because Joseph and Mary are just showing a picture of what humanity goes through to live out the purposes and promises of God in their own lives. And they're part of the story. It's one thing to recognise that Jesus was the star that was born, but as that took place, there were other stars that God wanted to use in the story. We can't disconnect ourselves from the story the pressure that it put on their relationship. Imagine Joseph saying, oh gosh, you know what I said about it? It doesn't matter about where the conception took place. I've rethought it. I was having coffee and some of my friends were asking the question about, really? You really think she could have become pregnant without, you know? I'm in too naughty a mood to add detail to that. I've had to rethink it. I need this time on my own to kind of process it. And with all the stuff going on, you know, like God said this morning that we've got to pack up and get out of here because Herod's cronies are coming. I just got that job and got the new car. We We just got... NBN connected at home. (laughs) Like he could have gone there, right? He didn't. The pressure that would have been on them to abort the purposes of God, the pressure to doubt the voice of God, the pressure to trade the temporal comfort for eternal purpose. You know what? We've got to be reminded today that it's always dangerous when you, you make the temporal permanent. I don't know, you might be going through some difficult things and some challenges and it looks like they're not gonna move very quickly, but at the end of the day, they are temporal. Don't make it a permanent part or identity of your life. It is not your lot in life. It's just something you're going through. I'm eternally grateful for the deep commitment that Joseph and Mary made to God on a daily basis in their life. I'm so thankful that Joseph didn't say, Mary, uh, we need to focus on providing a home, schooling and a future for our family. We've got bills to pay, careers to establish and our marriage needs to become a priority. We, we just don't have time to leave here for the sake of this child that 
Okay, he's ours, but like really, he's not, right? <laughs> I'm so grateful that Mary didn't go to the place where she said, I can't handle living under the spotlight of ministry and expectation and the high demands of the calling of God. She, she didn't go there. They just stated, stayed faithful instead. Joseph and Mary seem to take each challenge in their stride. They hear God's voice and immediately follow it. And it's super challenging to me. I mean, I know when I stand up here on a Sunday, you just think just the most perfect things about me. <laughs> At least that's what I tell myself. And, and the truth is on most Sundays, I stay in a pretty good, positive, faith-filled place. It's, it's just the three days leading up to preaching and the three days after that I'm challenged with. That's not my original, I stole it from somebody else. But here's the reality. Joseph and Mary stayed with this deep commitment to the Lord. They pack up a house and uproot their family at a moment's notice. They obey God and defy the culture of the day. They're eternally focused. They're peaceful in the midst of turmoil. They stay positive. You can learn so much from... Joseph and Mary, but I just want to focus on two things today. Is that okay? I want to focus on two things that just scream out at me from this story. And the first thing is what heaven starts, hell can't stop. What, what heaven starts, hell can't stop. It was like hell tried to stop what heaven had started 4,000 years earlier, but the reality is what heaven starts, hell can't stop. And you gotta know that the Bible says that when you surrendered to Christ, you were born again. And that born again, that new life begun on that moment. And, and the Bible says that the good work that God has started, He will complete until the day of Christ. And whether your day of Christ is breathing your last breath here or the day of Christ is some rapturous moment into the future, the Bible says that what God starts started in you, He's going to keep doing in you. He's going to complete the work. And that's good news. That's flippin' good news. That's very good news. What heaven starts, hell can't stop. Colossians 3 verse 1, Christ's resurrection. Look at this, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. That's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honour and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heaven realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ was served, uh, has severed the tie to this life and now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. And as Christ Himself is seen for who He really is, who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with Him in His glory. I gotta tell you, spiritual hunger is the foundation of life. The Scripture is saying that you gotta fix your thoughts on the heavenly realm, on the eternal deal. That's where your, our power, honour and authority come from. I'm so glad that power, honour and authority is given to God and He has it all, but I'm even more glad that He's prepared to give it to me so that I can live this life that I'm called to live. Are you with me? Turn to your neighbour and say, are you listening? Turn to the other one, the one that really doesn't want you to speak to them because they're looking straight forward and thinking, I ain't doing this. I just don't like this part when they do this. So just, just turn to them and say, boo. Just, just do that, just go boo. Our true life is hidden in God, in Christ, 
who we really are is being revealed as we pursue God's purposes in our lives. Wherever you're at in your journey, early or late in it, wherever you determine, can I encourage you to stay focused on the heavenly things? Because that's where your real life is. A lot of what we're going through now is just simply temporal stuff. Your new life began when you surrendered to Christ. He'll complete that work. First thing we learn from Joseph and Mary's life is that what heaven starts, hell can't stop. There's no way, no devil in hell can stop what God has started in your life. And then the second thing is around this thought that perfect peace is actually priceless. Isaiah 26 verse 3, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You've got to know that what you think about is important. In fact, I'd call you to think about the things that you think about because your mind is powerful. In fact, your life is moving at a very fast rate towards your most dominant thoughts. We need to think about the things we think about. The enemy understands this and I think his number one focus for many of us is taking peace from our lives. In this scripture, the word peace is repeated twice. It's like peace, peace. It's like perfect peace is what the translators chose. And you've got to understand the definition of that word peace is number one, soundness. Soundness of mind, which means you're free from depression, anxiety and stress. It, it also means health, physical health. It, it also means prosperity, financial prosperity. And you know, just openly, honestly, which is kind of all I know how to do well, uh, stress. I used to think stress was part of being conscientious. Um, trying to think of another word, of being sincere. I used to think, now I recognise that stress for me is actually an issue of unbelief. And, and an overused word, a misplaced word often in my life. I, I, I'm not under stress, I'm actually just under pressure. Because you see, stress is when I doubt my resources to deal with a situation. And that's a faith issue. But pressure, pressure is more helpful because I can recognise where pressure is coming from and I can go, oh, okay, the pressure to pay the bills, that's just normal. I'm a human, I'm an adult. And I chose that commitment. And I can put pressure on pressure. When I recognise that it's pressure, I can put pressure on it and go, oh, I can fix that, I can save there, I can do that. Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, pressure will, will cause me to get up and go to work when I don't want to go to work. Yeah. Hello. Pressure will help me think outside of the box where I can save a little bit more instead of spending a little bit more and I can put it over here. So I can, if I really want the pressure to get off, I'm not gonna spend this which was allocated for that over here on this that I don't need. So pressure is a much more helpful yeah. Hello. It's, 
peace. He says he'll keep in perfect peace all whose minds are fixed, focused on him. That word peace also means uh, health and prosperity generally in relation to man and God. Peace is the one thing the devil tries to take from you. My wife made this statement this week. She says, the enemy tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time. And we all went, ooh, it's true. The life that you have is a reflection of your th- the thoughts you think. That That's Okay, that's, that's a little bit hard to chew on, but just chew it. You've got those back teeth that you can really chew. Just, just chew. Your life is a reflection of the thoughts you think. If you want to change your life, you change your thoughts. If you change your thoughts, you will change your life. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And that's why God says, I've given you a great power, a great weapon against the enemy. When he comes in to sow thoughts of deception, when he comes to try and shape your thinking with a lie, I've been given, I've given you the weapons of your warfare, which are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And that is you've been given the mind of Christ and know the thoughts, feelings and purposes of his sin. That is that he will keep in perfect peace all those whose minds are stayed on him. That is, he's not giving you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and soundness of mind. That is, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That is, He is for you and not against you. That is, that He is causing all things to work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. That is, that He's made you the head and not the tail above and not beneath. They are, they are weapons. Let's stop thinking about strongholds, about some spirit in the sky sitting over a region. That's just claptrap. That is rubbish. It's not true. Bible clearly says that the strongholds are thoughts that are encamped in the mind that are sowed by the enemy and we believe them. Bible refers to him as the father of lies, the first to believe and conceive a lie. And all he does from there on is try and deceive us out of the authority and the power that has been given to us in Christ. Proverbs 23 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. A victim, a victim always is always at the mercy of outside influences. Let me encourage you, never be a victim. You're not at the, you're not at the mercy of outside influences. The outside influences are at your mercy. The kingdom of God is within. There is a breath of breakthrough that God has put in your lungs so that you can create the atmosphere around you that you need to go into a brand new day. Can I encourage you during this Christmas season, don't let stress come into your world. Keep the peace of God in your heart. Keep the peace of God in your, keep your mind on Him and the peace of God will remain. Think about the things you think about. Listen to the mind chatter. You go off and have quiet time, whether that's in a room, at the beach or in the woods. Me, I prefer the woods. But even when I go there into that space, the mind chatter doesn't seem to stop until I bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and calm my soul before the Lord. Can I encourage you to think about what you think about? Test your self-talk. What comes into your mind will come into your life. The, the, the devil focuses his assault on your mind, but God has given you mighty weapons to pull down the devil's strongholds 
thoughts that are contrary to the mind of Christ. I thought I, I just got to do this. This is way I'm wide. I wanted to just land with some practical thoughts about how you can take control in, in this season. Not just in this season. I think this is a daily deal. But how you can actually establish this peaceful mind on a consistent basis. You know, I should have done it. I thought it would be too practical. I didn't. But if you could picture a scale behind me on the screen, you know those when you get to fill out those surveys and they have the 1 to 10 and your grade service or whatever else. Let's just, 1 to 10 is too hard. I'm a simple dude. Let's go 1 to 5. And let's not even put two and four in there because they're not really helpful. Let's just go one, three and five. If, you, if it was on the screen behind me and on this side where the one is, if, if I put worry there next to the one and on this side over here next to the five, I put peace. You could maybe do a self-assessment. We've got one, five and three in the middle. Let me tell you what one means. One means you're in trouble. <laughs> worry. What a worry, worry is. Peace means you're great. You're in perfect peace. Doesn't matter what's going on, you're charging. But three means you're okay. And let me tell you, okay is not okay. Why? Because if you find yourself at three, where you call it okay, the world around you very naturally is trying to drag you towards one. And if you do zip about it, you're going, to be, you're going to go from okay to trouble pretty quickly. Let me tell you, it's only, it's only really healthy to be four and above, even though four doesn't exist. Okay, let's just go three plus. Not minus three, three plus. You've got, you got to kind of at least be at 3.5. Moving towards, are you with me? Why did we do all that? I can't remember. Yes, I can. Here's the deal. It says here, Keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are stayed on Him. Most of us need to do some retraining of the brain to stay there. Most of us need to know how to practically take those thoughts captive and bring them obedient to Christ. Like right now, you could be thinking about all the demands financially on your will because coming to the end, you've got to take holidays. I don't have holidays. I've got to do kids and Christmas and my family coming over. Family I don't even like. They're coming over. I've got to feed them. Oh, that, you love them, but you don't like them. You know that lot? You know that crew normally come from the in laws side of the crew? No, jokes, jokes, jokes. It's not so on my side, it's the opposite. Uh, no, I'm just going to stop. Uh, but let's go to the board. Let's, let's do this. This will help you. If you're going to retrain and if you're going to keep it strong and healthy, you've got to learn how to read it, write it and say it. You've got to practically get this word, read it, write it and say it. So just a quick set of practical tips on how you can actually stay in this place of perfect peace in a world of pressure. Because I do understand today that we live in a world of pressure. And I think the first slide they're going to put up there for you today is, is this thought that I've already spoken out there where I, I say this all the time to myself. Can I, can I remind you that every one of you are a preacher? Then don't run off. Let me clarify, it's not time to buy a microphone and go off. But everyone, if we read the Scriptures for, for what it says, every one of us are a preacher to ourselves. You've got to learn how to preach to yourself. The psalmist, when he was writing, he, he says, I say to myself, 
And so can I help you be a preacher, a good preacher to yourself? Because there are moments on Tuesday afternoon coming where you will have an opportunity to forget about this whole focus and this deep commitment that you have to the Lord and choose a worldly choice instead of an eternal choice. And unless you have been preaching to yourself well in the morning, you're going to slip off the rail of where God wants you to be. And so you've got to know how to take the Scripture, read it. And read it if that means turning on your Bible. Read it if that means turning the pages of your Bible, whether you do it the archaic way or the 21st century way. I prefer the 21st century way because I can't just turn it on. I can actually get it to speak to me. And sometimes my mind needs the voice of the Word of God going in my ears when I don't have the focus or the energy to put it in through the reading of the eyes. Are you with me? I can highlight it. I can Anyway, read it. Write it. Again, whether you do it with a pen or you do it by text, some of you are so good at being keyboard warriors in other zones, but you don't take the time to be a keyboard warrior with the Word of God that can change your life and shift situations. Can I encourage you? Read it, write it and say it. I have the mind of Christ and I know the thoughts, feelings and purposes of God's heart. It's powerful. Take a snapshot of it if you need to. But whatever you do, don't just hear the Word and walk out and do nothing with it. Hear it, write it, speak it. I think these four tend to be coordinates for life because this next one says, I have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love and soundness of mind. I've not been given a spirit of fear. I've not been given a spirit of timidity. You think it's arrogance. You think it's whatever. I don't care what you think. Doesn't matter to me. It's none of my business, but I've not been given a spirit of fear and timidity. I've been given a spirit of power, love and soundness of mind. I know the thoughts, feelings and purposes of His heart. I know what to do in difficult situations. I refuse to allow confusion into my world. The Word of God brings clarity. It shines a light on my path. It shines a light on my future. It shines up where things are right now and it shows me where I'm going. My Bible tells me that the path of the righteous burns brighter and brighter, not darker and darker. There's more and more clarity in my world, not less and less. I refuse to allow confusion to get in. I refuse to allow political correctness to muddy up the waters of what God has called me to do. Write it. Speak it. There's another one there, I'm sure. It says, my mind is fixed on Jesus and captivated by heavenly purpose. You're not tired. You're bored. You're not tired, you're bored because you've given your entire life to an earthly pursuit with no eternal value. And now you're looking back and saying, why did I do that? I feel like I might need security to get out of here. (laughs) But honestly, imagine the energy that would be birthed in your soul if you returned to the eternal purpose of God upon your life. My mind is fixed on Jesus and captivated by heavenly purpose. 
Final one, I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God takes care of every earthly detail of my life. They are not perfect translations of the original text. They are my transliterations for my own confessional purposes. You can do that. I think you can honestly, sincerely do that because that's the way you make the Word become alive and powerful in your own life. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.